0: all right pentecost sunday i uh, really love pentecost sunday and uh, apparently i'm not alone in this because the apostle paul uh, had some excitement about pentecost sunday himself Uh, and the bible uh, is actually interesting in in, uh, telling the story because uh, the apostle paul uh, starts a church in ephesus uh, and he's been working with this church and all sorts of exciting things are happening but uh, he makes a beeline for Jerusalem. He doesn't want to stop at uh, Ephesus. Uh, He wants to get to Jerusalem for Pentecost uh, Sunday uh, for the feast of of Pentecost. And uh, then the strange thing like often happens in the Bible uh, after Paul makes a big like emphasis on wanting to get there, then we don't care anything about what happens there. So, uh, you know, that's the mystery of uh, of God, uh, and uh, we can't put God in a box. And uh, sometimes uh, in life, we have these big expectations about what God is going to do, or and then, like, nothing seems to happen. And then other times, we're uh, not expecting a whole lot, and then a whole lot seems to happen. Uh, but uh, uh, just to give you the, the reference, in Acts uh, 20, it says this, Paul had decided to sail past Ephesus, for he didn't want to spend any more time in the province of Asia. He was hurrying to get to Jerusalem, if possible, in time for the festival. So uh, a little backdrop, uh, Pentecost Sunday uh, is today. And uh, if you're in a liturgical church, uh, like the Episcopal Church or Catholic Church, uh, I think they have a, a a church calendar, so they would uh, do something for pentecost sunday but uh the 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 background on Pentecost Sunday is this uh, there 's an old testament um, festival that would take place uh, and this festival was the festival of harvest it was also called the festival of weeks and uh it was fifty days after uh in the Old Testament, it would have been 50 days after Good Friday, which would have been Passover. Now, of course, what Jesus does and what the, the New Testament does, it builds on a lot of these traditions. And so f- Christ's uh, crucifixion on Good Friday uh, wasn't sort of a, just a random day. It was a, a strategic day in the Jewish calendar. And what Jesus is doing, he's making a big event out of a, um, a festival. Uh, and so 50 days after the day Christ was crucified during this Old Testament festival of weeks or the harvest is Pentecost Sunday. And again, uh, there's this sort of interesting backstory that, that Christ is fulfilling. Uh, you know, Christ is saying, well, look, I'm going to be the first fruits, which would have been, what the festival of harvest was, Jesus personifies it. He says, I am the first fruits, and I'm going to be the first fruits by being the first one to be resurrected. And so, uh, you know, the, 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 the playback for us is we should be uh, confident or we should have hope that we too would be resurrected just like Jesus. He's saying, I've gone before you. So, uh, the next significant thing about uh, Pentecost is this is the time when the Holy Spirit was poured out. So again just back up for a second Yeah, think of what's happening. We got the Old Testament we understand God in a sort of a uh, uh, the God the Father, God's in charge, but we haven't seen God personified in the person of Jesus. Now Jesus represents God, is God, he's fully human, and uh we have uh the next step in the trinity being sort of uh explained to us or being made manifest to us is jesus says to his disciples he says listen uh when i've been with you you've experienced me god in one form and it's very hu- very much a human form uh because they could talk to him and relate to him and but they simultaneously getting the idea that it, Jesus is just like a whole lot more than just human you know he does all these miracles and you know he's told him he's going to be resurrected from the dead and now indeed he has been resurrected from the dead and then he made this promise to them he said look uh, it'll be it'll be better for you if I leave because then I can give you my holy spirit and my holy spirit can be part of you and then my holy Spirit will never leave you and so you know in another mystical way that Disciples are like, what does that exactly mean? What does that look like? But from God's perspective, He's saying, look, it'll be better if I leave and I, as, in the form of Jesus, and I give you my Holy Spirit, which can be part of you. And so uh, that's Pentecost. Is the the story of how the Holy Spirit came, and uh, and I want to uh, talk about that story and uh, uh, read uh, the text in that story, but. Um, Perhaps uh, you know there's a twofold sides to this. Whenever I'm preaching, on the one hand, we want to know what the Bible says. Uh, we want to understand the fact pattern. We want to get to know more about who God is and understand God. But at the same time, there's always a sense of okay, God, what does that mean to me personally, or what does it mean to you personally, and what does it mean? What does Pentecost mean to you personally? Uh, And how do we deal with what God perhaps has intended for you and for me? Uh, And hopefully there's some sort of, um, you know, both an understanding, but then a sense of saying, God, I want that, or I want to do more, or I want to see you do more, or more importantly, Lord, I want to see you do more through me. You know, that's when it gets kind of nerve-wracking and exciting simultaneously. We're saying, God, okay, we've heard about these stories, but can I be part of your story? So, uh, if you've got a Bible, uh, why don't you open it to the Book of Acts? So, the Book of Acts follows the Gospels, and the author being uh, Luke, so he wrote the Gospel of Luke, and then he writes Acts, and it's a a great next step because the gospels finish off with Christ's resurrection, death and resurrection, and then Acts picks up with, okay, now Christ has been resurrected, now what? And you uh, we, we pick up the story there. So in Acts chapter 1, uh, verse 4, uh, Jesus says to the disciples, he says this, he says, Don't leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he has promised, as I told you before. John baptizes water, but in just a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Now, this is really interesting because, you know, these disciples have hung out with Jesus, and Jesus is basically saying, listen, uh, I can impart something to you when I was physically with you. Because, you know, in some of the gospel stories, you'll see that Jesus actually gave the disciples power and authority. I mean, somehow or other, he imparted that to them. And yet, Jesus is saying to those same disciples, he's saying, but in just a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Uh, But again, like anything that Jesus does, he says, this is what you need to do. And there's always a delay and a wait and an element of like, we need to be obedient. And so the disciples need to be obedient to wait. And you and me and everybody else, we hate waiting. We just want God to like, you know, be immediate. But uh, the disciples I guess, didn't know what else to do. So they hung around and they waited. And uh, in the waiting, uh, like you and I, you know, we have lots of questions about God. You know, God, what about this? And what about that? And God, you should do this. And you know, I prayed for this and heal me this way. And and so when they finally meet Jesus again, they got lots of questions. And the questions they want to talk about is, Lord, this is uh, verse six, Lord, has the time come for your, for you to free Israel and restore your kingdom? In other words, Jesus, will you come and rule and make everything right? And Jesus is like basically saying, listen, listen, listen. I don't want to talk about that. That's not what we need to focus on. This is what we need to talk about. So Jesus says it a little differently. He says this way. The Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times, and they are not for you to know. And then verse 8. But, and then Jesus, this is what I want to talk about. And uh, he says this but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere. Okay, so Jesus is very, uh, uh, he he obviously has a plan, and the plan all along has been to manifest who God is, to choose disciples, and then for these disciples to receive this power, but not just have power just to like play around in power, but so that they can be witnesses. And in a similar way, we need not lose, um, you know, the reason why we ask for the Holy Spirit. It's so that we can experience God's power so that we can be witnesses, so that we can talk about the great things God is doing in our lives, or in the lives of those around us, or in church life. And then we share it with our friends, and we say like, you know, God is incredible. Uh, We want to be witnesses to the things He's doing. And then again, very intentionally and very structuredly, God tells them, this is the way you want to do it. He says, you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere. And he starts off with Jerusalem, and then it's sort of the expanding circles, and in Judea, and then even a little further out in Samaria, and then to the ends of the earth. And we've been looking at the Apostle Paul's travels, and they were pretty much to the ends of the earth uh, for them in those days. So uh, you know, if you understand what's going on here, Jesus is choosing the the apostles. Uh, Then he chooses Paul and makes him an apostle like after the other apostles. And then Paul starts doing these things. And then by extension, it comes down to you and I. And you and I need to be doing these things. And so it's you know, it doesn't end here. God is saying, okay, I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit, and I want you to be the witness. And I want you to be witnesses, firstly here in Hopkinton, or if you live in Milford, firstly in Milford, or if you live in Upton, firstly in Upton. And then, you know, in the surrounding area, wherever you go to work, uh, you know, you might work in faraway places like Bellingham, and then, you know, we, you, you tell me about them. And then, you know, to like these like ridiculously far places like Rhode Island, uh, and then, you know, the outermost parts of the world, like Dominican Republic, or Spain. But the, the concentration is where we are, you know. Uh, most of our energy and effort isn't like the Dominican Republic. Most of our energy and effort needs to be like here, yeah, local, Jerusalem, or in our case, Hopkinson. Uh, so God has a plan for these guys and uh, He has a plan for us. And we wouldn't be sitting here today if there wasn't a generation before us that didn't take this seriously and were witnesses to what God had done in their lives, which allowed us to get to know Christ, and by extension, God wants to use you, He wants to use me, so that we can be witnesses to the next generation and to our kids, Uh, and so it's pretty exciting stuff. Uh, And then, let me jump ahead to Acts chapter 2, and this is how it all works out. It's a familiar story, and I just want to uh, read it again. On the day of Pentecost, so 50 days after uh, Jesus was crucified, all the believers were meeting together in one place, just as Jesus said, wait out, hang out, wait for me. And then suddenly there was a sound from heaven, like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit, and began speaking in other languages, as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. At this time, there were uh, devout Jews from every nation living in Jerusalem. When they heard the loud noise, everyone came running, and they were bewildered to hear their own languages being spoken by all the believers, by the believers. They were completely amazed, yeah, no kidding, how can this be, they exclaimed, these people are all from Galilee? I mean, that's like being from—I was going to say Orange, Massachusetts, but I don't want to. I, I don't want to say Orange. I mean, like Springfield. Is anybody here from Springfield? Okay, nobody here from Springfield. So we're going to use Springfield. It's like being from Springfield. You know, like the back—not uh, Boston. you know like out there somewhere, Galilee. I mean, these guys were from Galilee. It's like, how would they have this ability? Anyway, how can this be? They exclaimed. These people are all from Galilee. And yet, we hear them speaking in our own native languages. And then, you know, you've got to have a, a dictionary to figure out where all these people are from. They were Parthians, Medes, Elamites, people from Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, the province of Asia. You know, all these people are Jewish believers from the whole area where Jews have, like, ended up. Now, they're all coming back to Jerusalem for this festival. This is a strategic time. It's not accidental. And so they all gather together, Christians and Arabs, we all hear these people speaking in our own languages. And it's not just amazing that they're hearing them speak in their own language, it's also amazing because they are hearing about the wonderful things God has done. I mean, that's really the basic job you and I have to do as witnesses of Christ. We just talk about the basic wonderful things Jesus has done. In our own lives, in the lives of those around us, in church, with our friend, anytime God is doing something wonderful, that's our opportunity to tell people about it. And of course, these guys were totally amazed and perplexed. What could this mean? They asked each other. But as I have said so many times with the Apostle Paul's travels, but others in the crowd ridiculed them, saying they are just drunk, that's all. You're always going to make people mad, and you're always going to make people glad. When you share what Jesus has done, I mean, it starts right here. I mean, who could have imagined a more incredible thing to see than, I don't know how many languages were being spoken in this place, and yet people are still ridiculing them, saying, you know, these guys are drunk. I mean, really? But here's the point. They didn't just like, okay, receive the Holy Spirit, and then do nothing. They received the Holy Spirit, and then... It stirred within them a a need to do something. And Peter, in verse 14, then Peter stepped forward with the 11 other apostles and shouted to the crowd, listen carefully, all of you, you you fellow Jews and residents of uh, Jerusalem. Now, the incredible thing is this. Peter has been sort of the one that's always stumbled and been a little reluctant. And now all of a sudden, Peter becomes Mr. Bold. I mean, something has happened within Peter. I mean, Peter is like, you know, just a few days ago or 50 days ago, he's denying Christ, and, you know, Christ is having to comfort him again and restore him, and and Peter's confidence is like a zero. You know, his expectations of what God was going to do in his life and what God did do in his life weren't the same. You might experience the same discomfort in your life, and Jesus has had to restore and comfort Peter, and he's not, like, super confident, but now that he receives the Holy Spirit, he becomes like super confident. There's something unbelievable, excuse me, that's been transformative in Peter's life. And now he just takes on the whole crowd and he's just like preaching to everybody. And he like doesn't care what people think. If they get mad too bad, he's going to let them know about Jesus. I mean, it's this amazing uh, start of the church. It's the first uh, church gets formed and, 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 it's really just incredible. But God does the same thing for you and me. When God, when the Spirit of God comes on us, there's a boldness or an excitement or a joy or a desire to want to uh, connect with God in a new and a fresh way. And it doesn't matter if we've been a Christian for, you know, a week and everything's new and exciting, or you've been a Christian for 50 years, We all need to be refreshed by the Holy Spirit to, you know, shake off the way that we're doing things, to see things new, to have like either a fresh start or a new insight or a a new purpose, or, you know, God, what are you going to do with me now at this stage in my life, or something. We we need to uh, be stirred up by the Spirit within us for this season in our lives. Uh, irrespective of what's happened in the past, so that we can, again, get in the program, get with the plan. You know, we spend a lot of time in our church. We do uh, uh, the the, the gifts class, the 201, and it's a wonderful class. If you haven't done the gifts class with Bernadette, the basic idea there is to try and figure out how has God wired you? Uh, what are the things that you can do to serve the Lord? What are the things that you you uniquely are gifted in because we've all been given gifts and they're all different. Now that's all well and good, but let me just say this, the main in the plane for all of us, and I think we lose this, we lose sight of this, the one thing God is asking all of us to do is to be witnesses for Him. There's none of us that get excluded. That's sort of the main in the plane. Sometimes they're like we analyze our gifts and we think, okay, do I have the gift of help or the gift of missions or, or prophecy and you know, we, which is all very well and good. But we miss the main in the plane, which is like we need to be witnesses in Judea and Samaria and you know uttermote place of the world. We need to be witnesses for Christ. That's for all of us to um, experience that joy. It, this shouldn't be like, okay, this is gonna be so nerve-wracking because people are gonna disagree with me. It should be the exact opposite. This is gonna be so fun because I'm gonna see someone's life transformed, helped, or healed. Or, or 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 whatever. So uh, let me just have. I'm going to have Jen. Hey, where did she end up? There you are, Jen. A few weeks ago, I prayed for some folks to if God would heal them. And, and I want Jen to tell his story because, of course, we don't all know what God is doing. You know, we see one thing and and then stand up here so we can all see. One more. No, I don't want to be seen. Uh, I know you don't want to be seen, but they want to see you. You, you like you like real important. Yeah. So um, so explain what happened in your words and then
1: So last week I was on um I was on duty to be the coffee set up and then go into Greden. Yeah, 2 weeks ago. And I was in agony, I was really struggling. And when I hand out the name tags, I always put on a smile. And But I, I know that there were several people here that knew I was struggling that day and I was stretching my legs. I couldn't even sit down in the windowsill, but stand and heard as well. And usually when I do greeting, I'm out there the whole time. And for whatever reason, this time I actually came in and I heard the worship and then I heard you calling people up for shoulder. And I just got this image that said, you better go up there. And I got the image of the woman who was just like, I know if I just grab Jesus' robe, I'm going to be healed. And I was would so just be lined up there. And Rob's asking everyone "Why, how you hurt your shoulder, blah, blah, blah. And then he gets, how'd you hurt your shoulder, Jen? I'm like, it's my back. <laughs> In my mind, I was like, I know you're asking for shoulders, but I'm up here because if you're giving out healing, I need to get it. And before he even got back to me to pray over me, I already felt pain free. And not only was I pain free, but then I could go grocery shopping later that day. I didn't have my son to help me, so I lugged in all the water, all the groceries, and I've been pain free since. And yeah, so it's been great.
0: (laughs) Thanks, Jim. I don't know what to say about that, but there's a bunch of things to say about that. Uh, and this is what I want to say about that. <laughs> there's so many things I want to say about that. The first one is, some or other, faith is involved in this equation. And as much as theologians and pastors have tried to figure out formulaically what faith plays a role in this, it's a mystery. So what I am saying is, somehow or other, Jen is saying, okay, I don't care about the fact that Rob's asking people to come up for shoulders. Some faith is rising up within her to say, like the woman that ran up to Jesus and just out of desperation said, look, you know, if I just touch his garment, I'll be healed. So Jen comes up and God honors that and she's totally healed. Now, the other thing I want to say about it, as we do here in the Vineyard, we don't do this with a whole lot of fanfare. You know, it's like okay, God's going to heal. Great, God's going to heal. I, I, I'm not here to manipulate God, and I don't have any like special anointing. You know, I'm not the apostle Paul or or Peter, but we just do things because we believe God does things. But the other thing, which is the, sort of the, I don't know, maybe I should never mention this because no other churches seem to mention this, but I guess I just do things that other people don't do. I don't know, for better or worse. Many of you say for worse, but you know, uh, the thing is this, not everybody gets healed. I mean, it's okay to bring up one person like Jen and say, great, you know, praise the Lord. And like, and then everybody else is like, what's wrong with me? Why don't I experience that? But if you were here two weeks ago, you would notice that, I don't know how many people came forward, but um, let me guess, like, I don't know, eight, maybe there's more, maybe it's less. I think God healed like three or four people or three people. But that means by definition, like five or seven or whatever didn't get healed. Now, I don't want to emphasize the fact that God didn't heal him, but I do want to emphasize the fact, the reason I'm emphasizing this fact is that because I believe that you and I should be praying for people, and we should be realistic in knowing that God can heal, does heal, wants to heal, but most people you pray for won't get healed. And the bummer of that is, that's going to make you look stupid. Yeah, well, okay, join the club, you're going to look stupid. It's just the way it is. But when God heals somebody, it's really awesome and so we live in this internal tension and you know again so sometimes people say well rob how did you know that god was going to heal somebody today what, what was how did you hear from god in other words and again I, it's very hard for me to put this in a box because it, it from my personal experience it just seems like we go through seasons or i go through seasons where God seems to be doing this more often than other seasons when He's not. And when He's not doing stuff and you try and do it, like just nothing happens. And it's not very fun. And then there's other seasons when, like you're just surprised and God seems to be doing stuff. And then it's real fun. And I like it. And so in that particular Sunday, here's the bizarre thing, Blake. You weren't here at your church. But the picture I got from God was somebody's here with a frozen shoulder, And all I could think of was Blake, because Blake's like a bionic man. He's got like aluminum shoulders, both of them, and, you know, new hips and new, I don't know, new knees and everything. And the funny thing is, I'm I'm sitting here having like a a, a laughing match with God. I'm like, God, you're kidding me. I'm not going to ask people to come up for shoulders. How are you going to heal Blake's shoulders? It's half aluminum. I mean, is that aluminum going to turn into bone? Or is that, (laughs) you know, and I'm thinking in my head, like, how does this work? Do do you remove the aluminum? Uh, uh, And, you know, I'm like thinking physiologically, I'm like, God, I, I don't know. That's way too complicated for me to f- figure out. Does it? Does it just like all work real well? You know, you're, and I'm, I'm sort of going in. My head is going in this way, you know. And so this is not a good way to go because y- 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 you can't figure this out. And then then the next question is, well, how long should you pray for somebody? And then you look at all the way that Jesus prayed for people and it was like real quick, you know. So I thought, okay, well, come up and we'll pray real quick. And and if you were here two weeks, I was real quick. I don't know, but you know, I, I like it when God heals and uh I I like I say, we just you know, here at the vineyard, no fanfare. We can't I can't claim something that I, I'm not. I'm not a healer, I'm not a magician. Uh don't wanna be a magician. Uh but I, but what I want is what I want the same thing for you. I, I think we should have boldness and the 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 willingness to look stupid. I mean, honestly, none of us like praying for somebody and then asking them, How does it feel? And they're like, oh. Feel worse, you know. But but it's kind of nice when your back's not hurting and you were in pain coming up, and now it feels good. I mean, I, you know. And 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 the thing for all of us is we're not, you know, we wired like as. How does this work? And we kind of, you know, it's a battle for us. And yet at the same time, God is miraculous. He, he doesn't need time. He just can do it immediately. So, I want to ask my daughter to come up for this reason. Uh, how do we intentionally try and press into the things of the Holy Spirit? And Megan uh, took a semester of college, uh, or maybe I should say it, she had a semester taken off college uh, willingly or unwillingly for her, and so she decided that she wanted to go to the Vineyard Church in Illinois and um, press into things of the Holy Spirit. So Megan, like maybe Uh, explain to us, like, what is it that you did? What were the things of the Holy Spirit that you did? What was comfortable? What was uncomfortable? And what did you see happen? And was it fun or not? Just something on that vein. Not asking for much. And do it in 10 (laughs) seconds. (laughs)
2: Here we go. <laughs> um, so yeah, so I had the opportunity to go to Illinois, which was a whole other story in itself. But um, one of the major blessings was I got to be a part of a really awesome um, community of college students. That was a part of the larger Vineyard Church. And one of the things that the church did, so not just the college ministry, but the overall church did, that was really life-giving and terrifying all at the same time. Was every Saturday we would get together around four o'clock at the church. Um, we came together and we would worship and we would pray that the Lord would speak to us, give us pictures, give us people. Um, you know, it's, if some of you have heard of like the treasure hunt thing, like give us like an article of clothing, like I see a red sweater, okay. And then we would pray, where should we go? And oftentimes it was Walmart. Um, many of you have done similar things, but just local businesses around town, Lowe's. Um, grocery stores, things like that. And um, one of the times that was, I mean, each time, each time was spectacular, and the Lord moved um, every Saturday. Um, And I think for me, one of the times that was particularly striking was um, we went out in two, so it was me and this other guy, and we're just walking around, and um, I had not heard anything that day from the Lord. I had no specific image or picture in mind. And um, we see this woman, and she's in one of the Walmart, like, rumor things, you know, like the little wheelchairs that are for, like, Walmart, and um, so we go over to the eggs where she's standing, and we start this casual, awkward conversation, and um, we just ask, you know, hey, like, what's going on? And she's like, oh, I'm having knee surgery on Tuesday. This is Sunday. And she's like, I'm just in a lot of pain when I stand, so I'm using this, you know, uh, wheelchair in Walmart. And we were like, hey, well, you know, this might sound a little crazy, but we just believe that, you know, Jesus would love to heal you right now. Can we pray for you? And she looks at us like, okay, you're weird, but sure. And um, so we just very quickly, we just um, we just laid our hands on her shoulders. We asked her if that was okay, and she said yes. And we just quickly prayed, Lord, I just pray that you would heal her knee and would you bless her today? And we asked her if she would mind standing up afterwards. And she looked at us like, no, you didn't hear me. It hurts when I stand. And we we're like, yeah, you want to about you stand up? And so she reluctantly stands up, and then you just see her whole body posture change. And she just stood up, and she was just like, what? <laughs> and she takes a couple steps, and she starts freaking out. And she's just like, I am not in any pain. She's like, I haven't. I haven't stood without pain in in years. I'm supposed to be having the surgery on Tuesday. And the Lord just completely healed her. Um, And that was just one of, you know, actually somebody else later that day also had knee surgery, was going to have knee surgery in the right knee and was also healed. So the Lord was just doing crazy things like that, Um, just on a regular basis. And I think that's something that we can we can include in our life this was not a special event i mean it was it was incredible it was very special but this wasn't an out of the ordinary Thing. this wasn't a conference this was just regular life um, for this community that I was a part of in Illinois this was our this was the Saturday um, this was the thing that that you just you did and it was so much fun and it was so life-giving and it was terrifying at the same time because I don't really enjoy <laughs> making awkward conversations with strangers in that beginning part it's, it's super nerve-wracking for me um, to just approach somebody where you know approaching somebody even if you do feel like that person is highlighted from the Lord like okay I, I really feel like that's the person that I saw in my head earlier or that's you know I feel like that person has a knee problem I feel like that person um, is gifted in this way and I need to tell them about it even when I feel like I have heard from the Lord I'm still terrified to do it and then to do it even when you don't have that beforehand but you still just walk out in faith the Lord can totally meet us there Um, And it's super life-giving and exciting. And I just, you know, that's really my heart is for us all to be able to see that in our everyday life, just the power of the Holy Spirit breaking in, um, transforming our lives and those around us. um, Because that's really where his heart's at.
0: Yeah, amen. Thanks, thanks. (laughs) I, I say this for this reason. You know, for many of us older folks, that's me, uh, this sort of stuff may or may not like be super exciting for you, but I say this: for the, for the folks that are teenagers and in their 20s, church needs to be have a whole other dimension to it. Sitting and listening to, to more and more and more and more information isn 't really that exciting for most people, but certainly not teenagers and people in their 20s. Doing what Megan did, it sort of moves a pendulum on the other end of the, the spectrum, right. Oh my gosh that's so terrifying threatening like but experiencing that and you know doing it for 3 months not just like a one weekend thing you, you do that for a season in your life I man your the rest of your trajectory of your life is going to be transformed like you're going to it's going to be hard not to want to be part of church it's going to be hard not to want to walk with the lord and it's going to be hard to just like go through the motions because Once you've experienced this freedom in God, it's exhilarating. And I just close this way, um, that God would just, you know, increase each one of our faith levels, that we each can respond to the way God has uniquely made us in the unique situation that we're in, with whatever personality type we have, to do the things that God is asking us to do, to be witnesses. Uh, we can be witnesses in quiet ways. We can be witnesses in demonstrative ways. We can be witnesses in loud ways. But whatever is our personality type, just we would be obedient like all the apostles ended up being. They were obedient to what God was asking them to do. So, Lord, I just pray that you would fill us this Pentecost, this day that you've marked on the calendar, for a fresh outpouring of your Holy Spirit to come and be upon us. Lord, to renew us and refresh us again. Lord, that we can put aside all our questions, all our disbelief, all our hurt. And Lord, we can look again and afresh to you and ask you to start again in us and to do exciting things again in us and to use us. Lord, I just pray for your blessing and for your joy, and for your excitement, and for your peace. And Lord, for your people to be able to hear your voice and to respond to it. So Lord, I just pray for your people. Come Holy Spirit, fall afresh. In your name, Jesus. Amen.